Hey, you found us. Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. I'm Megan Fanning, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan. We created this podcast to continue the real conversations that we have when we get outside to run, bike, surf, climb, or whatever it is that you do. We love the real conversations when boundaries come down, because really, that's when it gets interesting. (laughs) The gang's all here. What's going on, guys? It's a beautiful Sunday morning. Bright and early. It's probably it probably is really beautiful where you're at. It's fucking. It's probably, it, it is beautiful here. It's stick season here in fucking Vermont. Well, pretty close. Yeah, and we got we got Sam with us again today. How lucky are we? Round two. <laughs> Round two before I disappear Let's for a week. Get ready to rumble. I am wearing my javelina shirt for you under my sweatshirt. Okay, I could tell. I know. <laughs> I javelina love 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 shirt. Going to going to the big party out in Scottsdale. Are you excited, Sam? I I think I'm a little bit excited. I think I'm you know once I get off the plane on Wednesday, I think I'll be more yeah. excited. I think it's, um, you know, it's just getting ready for things and especially traveling a couple thousand miles, making sure I have everything I want when I get there. So, Well, you will forget something, but there'll be a target nearby. And I'm not super worried. I th- it seems like this race has its, you know, they have tons of stuff at the aid stations. So there's... As long as I have my shoes and shorts, I'll be good to go. Pretty much. And yeah. For those that for those that don't know, Sam, can you tell everybody about the race that you're running? Javelina? It's called the Javelina Jundred, both mm-hmm. beginning with J's. Mm-hmm. Hundred mile race on um is it I can't remember the exact date. <clears throat> I think it's 25, 26 October, and um, it's in Scottsdale, Arizona, specifically the McDowell Mountain <clears throat> Range area, and uh, it's a huge race. It's put on by Aravipa. I think there's close to a thousand people between the 100k and the 100 mile that oh, do wow. it. I mean, Sean did it. Was it last year? Yes. Two years ago. So um, he's probably more in the know, but uh, yeah, I'm psyched. It's I didn't get to do Vermont this year, so this is the one and only hundred for the year. And uh, it's I, you know, after nine months of training, I'm psyched to get here. <laughs> yeah, you'll do great. I know you will. <clears throat> It'll be awesome. And Sam's two years of year of doing two hundreds, he only gets to run one of them. Yep. I'll have to figure that out another year. There's always next year. Yep. So. You can you can pick a you can pick a, a you can, maybe you'll get into Western States. Yeah, Sophie was all over me yesterday to like you've got to enter this year. This you're going to get a qualifier for this. You got to fill it in. She's so. got a point. Yeah, He's I had could qualifiers do qualifiers for a bunch of years because Vermont's a qualifier and he does yep. it every year. 
You would have enough tickets to get in and run it, Sam. Had you like put in for it in years past? Well, I think after getting there this year, I'm I'll, I'm I'll be putting in for it this year. So yeah, going forward, you should see if I can do a Sean. See if I can beat Sean's time if I get in. Yeah, I'll help you do it. Cool. That would be great. That would be great. Yeah. So it's uh, it's taper time. Taper drums. Yeah. So so what are we talking? Speaking of which, let's let's get into it. What are we talking about today, and why? Well, we kind of covered the why. Well, not really. You didn't say what we were talking about. Well, we're talking about taper tantrums. And post-race blues. What is a taper tantrum? And what what are is what are what is post-race blues are? I don't know. I don't know how to say that. Do you think do you think we should get Sam's wife on here to explain what taper tantrums are? (laughs) (laughs) Or any of our spouses? Especially after yesterday. She'd she'd be all over that subject. Yeah, we had to have a nice discussion at the end of the day yesterday, sort sort things out. Mm. How long have you two been married? Ah, uh, since 1989. What is okay. that? 30, 34 okay. years. So you're you're familiar. You're very very <clears throat> familiar with the end of day discussion to sort things out. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Lots of discussions these days. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I know that as soon as I start tapering, about six or seven days into that taper, so peak week, right, is usually three, four weeks out from race day. So you're kind of already starting a slow, gradual wind down, but like those last two weeks where the, the mileage drops off and the workload drops off and you're in your mental prep to get all your stuff together. Everything just gets a little squirrely. You have a lot of time on your hands. You have a lot of energy and there's no way to release any of that and that tension that comes with it. And then on top of that, you start getting weird things like my leg, left leg, my, my calf is tearing off my, my fucking leg or my shoulder's broken or whatever kind of weird muscle aches exist with that. And you typically get super fucking irritable about all these things. Sometimes you, you get sick too, which is also awesome. I think those are the typical things that happen for most people during taper time frame. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's there's the anxiety about there's performance anxiety stuff you know it's it's like i've invested invest yeah that's me it's you know investing all this time and you know it's a big deal to arrive first of all to arrive at you know especially a big race where you've been preparing for months to arrive there healthy and um without any you know bad tweaks or something or without any injuries but uh, yeah, I, I just get all keyed up about, you know, do I have all my stuff? Do I have, you know, 
what's it going to be like? I've never done this. You know, I'm going to Scottsdale, Arizona. The temperature is a little warmer than it is in New England right now. And, uh, you know, how am I going to react to the heat? And, you know, I, I know logically, I know how I'm going to approach things, but, uh, you know, emotionally it just gets, um, it gets all spun up and, and traveling to something too is, uh, especially a couple thousand miles away, um, gets to me, but, um, yeah, I don't know. How about you, Megan? So I have learned over the years, um, I do very short tapers because too much time on my hands is not good. So, um, so I think, you know, at about two weeks out, um, I begin and then, you know, have an official week before the race as a taper, but the week before the race, I always kind of liked because I have so much time and I have time to, to pack, to do all the errands. I never, I never have time to do spend some extra time with my family. Um, I just appreciated the time, but I think it, Sean, exactly, exactly what you said. Um, something always hurts on me. Like, oh, no, my ankle really hurts. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this. Um, that's the thing that I, so I can't give myself too much time. But I tend to get very excited. But I'm, if the race is local, it's easier. Um, I am a horrible traveler. Like, I like to travel, but I hate planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, it's just everything is out of my control. Um, so it's it's much harder much harder when you have to travel, you're getting all your drop bags ready, making sure you, you're inevitably going to forget something, you know, um, who's going out there with you? My daughter's going out with me. Oh, good. Okay. And it's, I mean, it's easy, honestly, for me, I'm staying with a high school buddy. Oh, good. Who, okay. So you're not in a hotel. Half okay. an hour, half an hour from the venue. Oh, um, okay. and I have other friends that um, I met through a running camp who are helping out. They're okay. going to come by. So, I mean, there's plenty of local support there. And Sophie will crew and pace for me. Do you have Do you have a pop tent? And yes. Chairs out there. Okay. That's a, that's a pop mm-hmm. tent, chairs. If you have like a folding table, you're golden. Um, a cooler with ice that Sophie can take care of. They'll sell ice at the venue, I believe. At least they did in past years. Um, good to have on hand. What's the weather supposed to be for race day? Probably um, degrees and sunny. Yeah, eighty-five and sunny. Not okay. a tree. Not a tree on the course. Maybe one or two swarrows, you know, that I could hide behind. But I don't even think there's many of those in this area. All right. Don't forget. Don't <clears throat> forget your sunblock. And your lip balm. I got it, Mom. Thank okay. you. Yeah. <laughs> got my well, nice you, long you are sleeve. White, you are white like me. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> got my, you, have, you do have the long sleeves? Yeah, I got my long sleeve hooded UV yeah, shirt. That's And um, I'll just wrap an ice bandana around yeah. my neck. Um, and do you have, do you have um, white arm sleeves? I do, and I'll do that as an option too. I've done that say, at Vermont. 
as you say, try that because you can stick ice in them. Yeah. Um, and it did help during like the, the hot part of the day. It like, I mean, you feel stupid because you have like five pounds of ice on you, but the rate <laughs> at which like it, you have big muscles, but the rate at which it melts <laughs> is, is ridiculous. You're like, you'll leave Jackass Junction on the far side during the hottest part of the day. And before you get halfway back, all the ice is gone. Yeah. And you're partially dry. Yeah. I mean, it's so dry out there. Things mm-hmm. just evaporate so quickly. Yeah, I've got that as an option. Um, so we will we'll work it out, you know. We'll figure it out. You're ready. Yeah. You got this. You have you have a lap in the morning that'll be relatively cool. Two in the afternoon during the heat of the day and then the final two will be night early morning next day yep so each lap is 25 miles i, 20, I didn't do 20. 20 okay first lap is 21.5 the next are 19.5 is there climbing or is it flat uh pretty flat for the most part you kind of climb up out to jackass junction and then technically descend back down to uh javelina base camp um the the 21 mile loop has the first which is the first loop has slightly more elevation you kind of go go up over a little bit of uh a little range to get back to add that extra mileage but it's nothing crazy nice it's a pretty flat fast race i think so what's your goal time for for 100 is it exactly 100 miles what does it work out to be it's a little over, I think. Okay. Um, it's like 100.5 or something. It's pretty, pretty okay. much fun. Yeah. I, you know, I sub 24 for me at my age okay. is always a goal. I would, because it's pretty flat, I think it's 5,000 feet of elevation or less, something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Um, I think I've got my math right on that. I want to say, it's, I thought it was 7K. Yeah, it, it's still, you know, if I could get, you know, 2023-ish 20, would be the A goal. I don't know. I don't know. How did you do, Sean? I did 25. I didn't have the – I came off – I was coming off of um, Coca Donut, and then I broke my That's rib right. in August. Oof. So training was kind of truncated. Going into it, Jesse ran it in sub twenty that year. Wow! So sub twenty four should be doable. Yeah, I. I it, depends, uh, it depends how you you react during the heat of the day. That's the key is managing that, and you know that w- it's the same way at Vermont is from um, eleven to five. You've got to just be prepared to walk. Um, as much as anything, you know, when you when you start to get hot or just take it really, really, really easy. Um, you just have to be super patient and save it for sundown. So that's what I'm figuring it is here. It's just a it's a waiting game. And then I'll pick up Sophie at sundown and, you know, we'll take off. Hopefully <laughs> you will. It will be fun. It'll be awesome. I mean, I think I can't imagine what it would be like to have one of my, you know, one of my children. I mean, she's not a child. She's an adult. But 
you know, they're, they're always your kids. Have one of your children pace you, um, you know, for an ultra that that's really cool. It's really cool. It's really cool for me, for sure. Um, you know, she's got her group of friends and stuff and she yeah. wants to hang with them for the most part. And well, <clears throat> it doesn't work super well for me pacing her. And we've, we've figured that out and sorted that out, but I love it. She's, you know, she's just gently persistent. Come on, let's mm-hmm. go. Come on, let's go. Keep moving. And, um, it's, you know, it's just kind of the right amount of pressure yeah. to keep moving. So, um, yeah, she paced me to my only sub 24 hour, um, I was at Chesterfield Gorge back back in COVID times and um, with Matt and Sean there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was a great, you know, she paced all night, did 40 miles like she's going to do at um, at Javelina. That's where I got to see the real Sam. That's right. (laughs) That's right. The real Sam. Do do tell, Sean. For our, for our for our listeners, he came, he came in. I don't remember what he must have been. He must have been about the halfway mark. I was before at night, and he was just going through a low point. And he came in and like, oh, what do you want? What do you want? He's like, I don't fucking know what I want. I'm just gonna sit here, just fucking. I'll figure it out. It was awesome to like hear <laughs> Sam drop f bombs and like look so angry at everyone. It was beautiful. Yeah, I, I, so, so peaceful and, and very mellow all the time. All the time. Yeah, with all this turmoil <laughs> boiling up inside. I, I think that was probably it was coming out of the hot part of the day because it was super hot on the on the south end of that course. Yeah. And um, I think probably there were multiple people asking me questions and I just, you know, too much input at that point. That's my guess. I don't know. Like you say, it was probably just struggling through something at that at that moment. So yeah, yeah, Sam, you typically bring the chill to to Zendurance now because Sean and I can can be a little intense. So that's why it's so funny. I mean, even even before we recorded, I mean, Sean and I are just bickering at each other, and you're just over there just laughing away. <laughs> Well, somebody's got to, you know, represent the name of the group, you know, Zendurance. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. So I just do what I say and just shut up about it. I don't want to. (laughs) It's probably, uh, probably comes from, you know, my profession day to day where I'm got to be chill with my clients, you know, mostly. So I'm pretty sure I wasn't like that when I was working in the corporate world. So, yeah, me, yeah, me neither. I spent many, I spent many years um, in a suit with my hair straightened and heels and full makeup. The works. I did not know that. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so. <laughs> go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. You got so this. Say, so, Sam. Aside from having to have conversations with your wife at the end of the day <laughs> uh, due to your your anxiety, have you had any, like, like I said, 
do, do you have any naggles that are, are popping up? Do you have, um, are you like fearing about getting sick anytime? Do you feel like you're getting sick? Do you have all these <laughs> thoughts? It's a, good thing we're, it's a good thing we're not in person. Yeah. Let's just, let's just put it that way. <laughs> I, you know, in terms of getting sick, yeah, I started, um, yeah, that's my biggest fear, especially COVID is, you know, out and around right now. And uh, um, so I've, you know, I'm more wearing a mask more frequently at job, at my job, and I'll wear one on a plane on the way out there. Um, yeah. I always sort of am pretty conservative about that stuff. I don't, you know, I knock on wood, you know, I don't generally get too sick. Um, that's not something I usually go through on a taper. Um, but uh, um, so I'm not, you know, hopefully I can manage that and uh, and get to the starting line in one piece. In terms of any niggles or anything like that, I am coming off. Vermont 50 was three weeks ago, maybe. Um, and, you know, I feel I had a great day there for me and was really happy with it. Finished strong. Um, felt a little bit brittle after that for a couple of weeks, which, you know, is a little concerning because uh, I was only it's only four weeks from that to this race. And uh, but I've gradually worked out the kinks. And for me, I always set up um, getting body work within the last 10 days. Um, so I had a massage on Friday, which is more targeted at sort of some chronically tight muscles that I have in my left side. And then I'll get a more global one on Tuesday before um, before we head out on Wednesday. <clears throat> and that'll, you know, that's that really helps get me through. And like like Megan was saying, I don't do a long taper. It's typically 10 days. I'll do, you know, one last sort of pounding workout 10 days out just to get the quads, you know, last little icing on the cake to toughen them up. And then I did a 90 minute run yesterday, just super, super, super easy, like a race re rehearsal type of thing. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, then it's easy for the, for the next week. Um, but I think yesterday was the reason it was harder for me yesterday. And I was an asshole yesterday, mostly for about six hours is I kind of, I hadn't, I had other than throwing some clothes and some equipment in a pile for the last 10 days, I hadn't done anything in terms of packing an organization. And so I did my run yesterday and then I took like six hours, you know, to pack my bags, you know, like my little aid station bags for what I need and then wash all my clothes and get them ready. Uh, race day closed. Um, and I am going to wear, I'm going to at least start with gaiters just, um, you know, because it is the desert out there. I know, Sean, you and I talked that maybe they're not necessary, but I got these super lightweight ones, but oh, I got to glue the little Velcro to the back of my shoes and just, oh, and I got to get pegs for our pop-up tent because you set it up 
two days ahead of time and it could just blow across the desert if you don't, you know, um, nail it down. And, um, and there's just lots of all the little things that needed to be done. And I'm trying to set my, my daughter up who's the pacer. So I got to call my friends in Arizona. Do you have camp chairs? Do you have a cooler? Do you have a pop-up? Um, we're lucky because this one couple I have, they have a, uh, one of these trap or one of these camper vans type of thing. So they're going to lend it that to us. And so Sophie can kind of retreat and lay down in some air conditioning for a couple hours if she wants to. Um, but just get all this stuff nailed down before the last week. So I don't have to, I, I'm going to do a little change up my, um, my playlist on my little uh, Apple Nano. I still use the little Nano thing. Uh, is that the is that the shuffle, the little square thing? Yeah, that's it. I have one of those still. I I should pull that back out. That's actually that's actually a good idea because it's so lightweight. You don't need right. your whole phone. Right. And yeah. I just so I have to. I'm going to take care of that today, and then I'll be done. You know, I just throw everything in a bag. But that was, it was just like a total, you know, I have two different lists here right next to me of all, you know, that I that I was going through and putting together. And um, anyways, all right, it was so just. What, what running songs do you have on your, on your little shuffle? Running? Well, I mean, I have, you know, there's. There's a little sampling of the Grateful Dead, of course. There's uh, plenty of um, there's songs. I mean, this so it's funny for me because a lot of this stuff harkens back to early music that I really liked that just kind of chills me out. So there's stuff from Jimi Hendrix, Electric Ladyland, mm, yep, um, and from Layla, and from but there's things like the Decemberists and the the replacements and you know there's a whole it's a whole stew of things and uh i don't know there's 50 more artists in there too so but i mean that's why yesterday was just particularly because i you know work and other things sort of compress this into one day and i've just i think as much as anything i just i just had to get it all together yesterday so there's a pretty long rant about things. So I think, right, so talking about body work, the nagels, the extra time, looking at all those things, right? So I think when it comes to understanding, like, why your body hurts in a weird way that it hasn't in training, like why you all of a sudden think your like calf is falling off or your ankle's broken or whatever, or your quad is going to tear. Whatever you think is is wrong, I think it happens to, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're experiencing that, which is good. Um, But I think a lot of athletes get into that, right? You're doing less work. Your muscles are healing. There's more tension in your muscles than normal because of the fact that you're not using them as as strenuously on a daily basis there's less blood flow going to the muscles um 
I think all that contributes to that. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, this, this is my, my, like I said, my cap is falling, whatever. Um, understanding that it's probably a, a passing thing is super important for athletes. And it's really hard, I think, from a coaching standpoint to address that because you, you have to kind of play the, the cautious side of it. And like, it's probably nothing, but just pay attention to it. Right. Like, and then you kind of have to, to balance that. And to a certain extent, it doesn't matter if this is your a race of the year and you're tapering for it and you have a little niggle going into it and it's something big and you're willing to run through it. Like that's what you got. Like there's nothing you can do about it. Um, the added time thing where I think Megan was talking about it and uh, you have all this extra time which leads you to think about a lot of stuff or you do a lot of extra activities I always caution my athletes to be careful with that added time because uh, I don't want them all of a sudden like hey I'm going to take an overtime shift or I'm going to do this I'm going to add all this extra shit into my day to fill up the time and then be tired. Like part of the point of tapering is to be rested, relaxed, focused when you go into it and not overtired from doing extra extraneous stuff to catch up on everything else. You can catch up on everything else you have to do after the race. So I, I kind of, I kind of, lay that out to at least the way I coach my athletes and the way I, I typically train. I'd rather you sit and watch Netflix for the week of, and maybe tend to your garden or do something that's keeping you lightly moving vice, you know, trying to like jam in a bunch of extra stuff that you haven't done, like rebuilding your basement and tearing apart, whatever. I don't know, whatever fucking I've seen people take four overtime shifts in a taper. Um, you know, with my extra energy, I just like I'll go grocery shopping. I do errands. I don't I don't do I'm not taking extra shifts or working more hours. It's just getting I always appreciated the opportunity to get the things done that I didn't have time to do when I was, you know, running for a couple hours a day. But, yeah, no, you're right. Don't don't overdo it. Yeah. And for me, I, I, you know, I'm, I agree with Sean and, uh, I mean, both what I, you know, I'm with you in terms of advising my athletes not to fill up their, their time. Um, for me personally, I, I just try to find one or two books, you know, that I, you know, and keep them close at hand and, and, you know, I, I get, I, I dwell on things too much, you know, so I, I'm preoccupied with the race anyways. And I had an athlete who's doing Marine Corps this same weekend that, that I'm going and I talked with her on, on Friday and it's the same thing. It's like, you know, what should I be doing? What should I be thinking about? How should I break down the race? How should I approach it? And we talked through that and I think we got to a, a, a good place, but um, you can't help especially if you don't 
you know, if it's a big A race or, um, you know, that you've invested a lot in and you want a good result, I think you can't help but turn those things over. So there is, there's some value, I think, to finding some low-key tasks to preoccupy your mind and get your mind off of that. But I think there's some, you know, sort of forced rest in there is also necessary. Um, parti- you know, particularly the last two or three days and trying to get off your feet as much as you can and, uh, and just really let that healing set in. Welcome to our new feature, Lessons in Reality with Megan and Sean. Join us as we take you on our workouts, either before, during, or after. We're going to record what it's really like for us. Enjoy the clip on the podcast, but you can also find the full videos on our brand new YouTube channel. So check us out and enjoy. Okay, stopping to take a trail break. Sean and I are going to try to start doing these on the road, on the trail segments. And I am uh, getting over COVID. I think today's Friday, went back to work on Tuesday. So I'm out on the trails behind my house and I have to add that it's absolutely gorgeous. It's fun to explore, but I still have that post COVID fatigue. So I feel like I'm just bebopping around. Also, it's like it's like 75 degrees out here, um, which is really, really warm for the end of October um, in New Hampshire. So, so anyway, I stopped to take this trail break to record, and it's just one of those runs that. I'm running, I'm walking, I'm taking it slow, I'm exploring. I had to do some water crossing. So not a blazing fast pace. So I have to remind myself that that's okay. There's a ton of climbing out here. I think I've only gone like two and a half miles so far. It's sort of an out and back. Um, And I've already covered, I don't know, over 2000 feet of climbing. It's beautiful. It's hard and my body's post COVID. So there's a little bit of acceptance to do. So happy trails, everyone. Peace out. Yeah, so right for, and you had mentioned it, talking about body work and getting massage and stuff like that. Um, I typically tell my athletes 10 days out, you know, a good massage is, is pretty good. That gives you maybe a, maybe a week out. Um, it gives your body time to recover from anything that would be more intense it sounds like you do that and then you do i'm assuming a a lighter pressure massage closer to just kind of loosening things up a little bit yeah it's sort of medium and and my go-to is or my rule of thumb is for at least four to five days out i think you're okay because it's usually there's usually a day or two even with we even with the deep pressure day or two afterwards where you're you notice it and then you bounce back but yeah i mean a, a week is being conservative i i tend to just because i do that last 90 minute run um you know i want something after that but um this will be 5 days out and uh 
it'll be it'll be good. And then, of course, <laughs> I'm planning for something afterwards too, you know, to just uh, help me recover. And you know. So that's what I was going to ask you. Let's. That's a perfect lead-in. Um, post-race. That's that's the other thing we wanted to address today. What is your post-race plan? How do you recover afterwards, physically and mentally? Uh, <clears throat> I think physically is easier to talk, talk about first. You know, fortunately, one of my um, well, one of the confounding factors here is I'll finish Sunday morning sometime, and then Tuesday I'll get on an airplane for a six-hour flight home, which is less than ideal, um, mm-hmm. and probably, you know, for me, it's funny, I I, I finish a race and say, in the morning of typically Sundays, and I'll go home and crash. I can only sleep usually, or I don't even sleep, maybe just rest for three or four hours. And then I feel fine walking around that day. And then the next day, I feel like I get run out of, run over by a truck. But, you know, <laughs> say that's Monday. And, um, you know, usually feel pretty bad Monday, Tuesday for me. And, um, and then start to loosen up, you know, by a Wednesday. But what I'll do, you know, is just try, you know, um, hot tub, warm showers, um, anything to promote blood flow, um, a little bit of, you know, for sure stretching. Um, my hips always get hammered. So it's, um, you know, using a lacrosse ball or tennis ball to loosen up that those areas. And I, I, do get chiropractic and massage um, afterwards, but I like to do that probably five or six days out from a race where the body has started to recover a little bit. My, My philosophy and experience over the years is if you try to go help somebody during a race or immediately after a race, you can Um, from a massage standpoint, very easily just trigger um, cramping or um, it's not productive. You know, the muscles haven't stabilized and let let go enough to um, make the process um, productive. Uh, So, you know, I'll do it. I have a massage on the Friday after my race, after I get back here. The guy I'm staying with out in Arizona is a chiropractor. Um, you know, that's I might, convenient. Yeah, he's and he's great. You know, and that you know, working spinal work might be fine. Um, I'll leave that up to him to decide. Um, one of the things he has is one of these inversion. Um, oh, I love those mechanism. You know, just hang by your ankles and. Oh, I, love I those. like those. You know, I'll give yeah. it a try. But I don't know, Sean. You might have a. I do not like them. I do not like you. Being at a forty-five degree angle upside down feels like you're completely upside down, and you're. I get a headache. And, uh, just not. You know, it's so for me, being upside down is very, very, very restorative. That's why I do so many. I do a lot of. I do a lot of hanging. I'll do a lot of handstands. I do a lot of legs up the wall. Um, always feels good to me. I'm okay yeah. hanging. It's not upside down. Yeah. 
It's um, I feel it's it's a little bit like um, it's not quite like the contrast therapy, you know, cold and hot, but you're changing the circulatory pattern a little bit. And um, I think that's a good thing to do. I mean, you do. It's a fact, you know, you're on your feet for 24 plus 30 hours or whatever you're out there. I mean, blood is pooling in your feet. You have you know, and, and the way blood returns from your feet in the best of circumstances is, you, you know, it has to be pushed up through a series of valves back up to your heart. And your heart gets, you know, your heart is the one that's generating the pressure there. And it's getting, your heart is a muscle and it's getting tired through all of these things. And it just, that's why we get swollen. I mean, some of it is damaged, but some of it is just, <clears throat> um, you know, um, because I feel like even if, there, so. even if somebody, you know, Sean, even if you didn't want to like hang upside down, just putting, just laying Feet on the floor and putting your, yeah, your legs up the wall just gives your lymphatic system a boost to, to help with the help with the circulation and help circulate all the, you know, all the byproducts, you know, from, yeah, but I don't, I don't think you, you I mean, you can, I mean, yeah, feet up against the wall doesn't bother me, but typically, I mean, I'll put my feet elevated above my heart. But not, yeah. not, yeah. not up against the wall. Not upset. I don't know, just, it's not my, just not my jam. <laughs> yeah, but that's. I mean, and then, and then, <clears throat> as soon as I feel like I can walk kind of normally, you know, I mean, you know, is you want to stay moving as much as possible. To me, that's the worst part about getting on an airplane you know, for six hours. And I'll be the dork that gets up every hour and walks up and down the aisles in the plane. I got myself a seat with, you know, more room for the flight back. And yeah, um, your compression gear, do you wear compression socks, anything like that on the way home? I don't, but it's, it's not a bad idea. I mean, one of the things that's always in the back of my mind about flying so soon after something like that is blood clot, you Absolutely. know, possibilities. And, um, and, you know, you would know more about that, Megan, better explain that than I can. But, uh, well, it's, it's, it's just the stagnation. I mean, just to keep it really simple, stagnation is not our friend. Right. And after, after that big of an effort and then sitting still, like if you, your flight six hours, if you were to sit still for six hours, um, it just allows all the stuff that you don't want to pool <laughs> to, to pool. And, you know, it's, it's not very healthy and we don't want one of those blood clots to, you know, to move to your lungs. I have a pair of compression tights. They are, I, I think the only time I've ever worn them is post-race traveling because they're just, they squeeze the, they just squeeze the hell out of me, but they're great for traveling. Um, so I'll wear those tights like underneath a pair of like sweatpants or something and then put on, you know, just put on some like compression socks and I would do what you did. Just, I just get up and walk, <laughs> you know, just get up and walk and move as much as you possibly can. And that, I think that's key. I mean, they talk about, I mean, one of the things actually that moves the blood up from your feet to your heart these muscles called the gastrocs, they're um, like the, the muscles that sort of go halfway down your calf and the back of your calf, and they call them the second heart. Sometimes they they help move blood up. So they're not doing anything if you're sitting, but if you get up and move once in a while, right. they're helping that process. I have so. very, 
very large calf muscles, and I never, never get pooling or swelling in my ankles or feet. Like it, it's, it, like I, I've never had that experience post race. I've had different experiences, but not that. Um, is your flight continuous, or do yeah. you have a layover? I'll no, it's continuous. Yeah, that's a little rough. I, I always like to plan flights with layovers so I can so I don't have to worry about like being stuck in that seat for that long. Um, just gets me off. It's a little longer, but I get a snack. <laughs> all, all the foods are important after a race. All yeah, but food food in an airport is so gross. There's like nothing I ever want to eat in an airport. It, I'll eat even yeah. even post race. Like I'll eat anything post race. I don't even care. Well, I, I my stomach so gets damaged. weird. My stomach gets weird post race. Yeah, it's it's actually it's actually that's actually the hardest time for me to eat, because um, I I feel like nauseated and queasy usually for about like twenty four ish hours. Yeah, probably electrolytes, I'm imagining. So, yeah, that's a good thing to do too electrolytes, eat, mm-hmm. um, uh, all of those things are super important. Sleep, you know, catch up on stuff. I do get my my ankles do get swollen, they'll swell for too. the better part of a week afterwards. Yep. Mine and, too. My, um, feet, my feet and my ankles, I'll have tinkles. Yeah, me too. The, my mm-hmm. ankles will disappear and uh um but, but you know what that also it when i when i'm exercising and this happens to me all the time if if my hands are below waist level so let's say i'm just like casually hiking or walking the dogs really slow my fingers get swollen all the time um and so a lot of times if i'm running i have to like shake out my hands because, you know, my, my fingers start to look like little sausages and I can't, I also can't wear rings, um, when I race because they would be stuck on my fingers. I don't, and again, I don't know why that is. Um, but it's always been like that. And if I'm hiking, having poles is, is good for me because it keeps my, keeps my arms at like that 90 degree angle. So they typically don't get like that. Now, how do you deal with the post-race blues. Yeah, how do you deal with the emotional side? Um, yeah. I'm laughing it, to myself as I... Because <laughs> I'm not super good at resolving these sort of different emotions that come up. Um, um, but... You know, I and this may be what some of all of us do is I start thinking about what the next thing is I'm going to do. <laughs> now, you know, maybe a week or so out. Usually for the first week, I'm like, oh, thank God. You know, you know, it's over. I'm done. Um, because it's it's fun, more than uh, on something like a hundred mile race. More often than not, like immediately when I finish, I'll either cry or I'll want to because it's it's such a, you know, like 
I just feel like I've been pushing myself for months to get there and to get through it. And then it's just, you know, it's it's a huge relief um, to have done it. And um, and it's, you know, super emotional like that for probably that, you know, and and that often there's huge gratitude for, uh, you know, everybody involved with the race, especially people close to me, friends, family that have supported me through all of that. It's when I can sincerely apologize to my wife, <laughs> you know, for the last month of being an asshole. And, um, but yeah, I, 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 it's, you know, gratitude that then seeps into relief that, um, and then for me, for me, there's a, a sense of, uh, you know, okay, now, like you were talking about, um, Megan attending to all these, you know, life things during taper week, I get a little bit of that after I'm done with the race is, you know, now I can, you know, fix the shutters on the house or paint the house or, you know, something that I've just been consciously blowing off for months. Um, and maybe energy has got to go somewhere. And maybe that's how I deal with it is, you know, pouring it into shit that I know that I've willfully ignored for months. Um, that's been on the to-do list. Um, and then definitely, for me, there's always got to be something next. I think that's what keeps me motivated for training. And, um, and you know, I can, maybe that keeps me from dipping down too low or something like that. Um, I definitely know people that go through that, but I, I'm sort of struggling here a little bit to put words to it because I'm not sure that that dip is too deep for me. So uh, for me, I get very introspective about everything that I've done for the race post, like in during the race, prior to the race. And typically it's in a, a negative fashion. And this is a, this is not necessarily immediately following the race, right? Like there's, there's always the elation that comes immediately following the race, right? Like, you're like, fuck, thank God I'm done. I did this thing that's super hard. You feel good about it. And the gratitude that you're talking about, 100%. Like, if you, for years, like, the posts that existed on Instagram that I did were only, like, essentially gratitude posts about post-race stuff. Like, thanks to everyone, blah, blah, blah. You know, where you really, like put it out there that you really do appreciate these people that have, cause they've, cause everyone that's anytime you do a race, like anytime you do a race where it consumes, you know, 12, 14, maybe more hours of your time a week away from everything else, you you're pulling a whole bunch of people into that circle. And so that, that gratitude really does exist and you can really, I think, appreciate it. And, share it with those that that deserve it afterwards and that are a part of it. Um, But then I, like I said, get very introspective about the race and like what went wrong and how I could have done this better. And you start, I start to spiral a little bit. Um, 
down that path of, well, this was like that. And this goes on for probably about a week, week, week and a half. And I typically will write my like race report, have a conversation with my coach and then be able to objectively evaluate the race from a different perspective at that point. But it's a week of really like kind of being down on myself after like this initial high and then it's a big drop. Um, and I also, I also tend to get very gluttonous in about two weeks after a race where all the things that I've put on hold for training, like maybe like eating a particular way or trying to like maintain, you know, um, my strength training or all like all that stuff is like out the window. And it's like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Fuck it. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, I'll smoke crack in a fucking alley if I want to now. Who gives a shit? <laughs> um, but, but that stuff kind of, kind of comes into play and it, and it definitely delays any sort of recovery. Like, cause when you're like eating like an asshole and, and when you're smoking crack in an alley, I don't think that supports your lymphatic system and getting, and getting herpes from hookers. I mean, like whatever or sex workers, Megan, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, you know, like these, sex these, workers, son. These will all, these will always well, and the question is, are you giving the sex worker the herpes or are they giving it to you? Cause gonna, I don't know. You might be you giving know, it to them. I, I have, I, I, I only like the filthy sex workers anyways, but, <laughs> but, uh, like all that stuff kind of like comes into play too. And I think that's how I try and balance out the emotional side of things. It's like, I'm like, I, I now have this giant dopamine depletion right? right like right and i'm not and i'm not filling it up because usually typically the weeks following a race you're not really running so you're not getting that dopamine release from that so it's like how can i fill it with these other things and that doesn't fill in the same way doesn't fill the soul in the same way and so there, that self reflection and self-introspecting into the race like tends to spiral in a downward way um that's my experience. And I do know that it, it happens that way. And then like you're saying the next race, my race schedule for years has been predicated upon the lotteries. So I can't even plan like that next real adventure post race season until like January. Once like January is done, all the, all the lotteries are done and I kind of know where I can, where that falls. So, there's like, there's definitely a layoff between knowing what my next adventure is and where it goes. I mean, I have some typical ideas of what I'm looking for, or I have an idea of how I want to spend my off season. Um, and that might dull a little of that, but that's, that's what I experience post race blues side of things but i do know people like a week after they're like on ultra sign up that's how i'm going to figure this out yeah yeah and it's i mean for me it's i always am carrying sort of a sketch of what's going to be out six to nine months and i don't do i mean there's a couple things there is um you know, I haven't done the lotteries and 
I've done things that are more local um, that I know I can get into. So that that's firmer planning. You know, I may be maybe uh, convinced to try the lotteries here a little a little bit more going into next year. But uh, um, I I I think that helps um, a lot. And there was another point, but I blanked on it. If I if it bubbles up, I'll I'll offer that. But well, I think I think you're ready. I think you're ready. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to come on post Havelina to let us know how you nailed it and give us give us the full the full scoop on uh, on all the details. And maybe we could have Sophie on too. I don't know. I don't. Would she come on? We that have you know you'd have that, to ask her. That and could be, be a, that could be a good podcast, you know, um, father and daughter and and how and how the race really went. <laughs> she would definitely offer very blunt, objective, right? Uh, yeah, assessment yeah. of it. Okay, all right. Well, I, I truly, I wish you the best of luck, but I don't feel, I don't feel like you need it. I think, I think you've got this. You've, you have years of experience. You know your body. You have a good crew. You have excellent support. You're ready. You got this. I'm psyched. Thank and you. And we will, we will be here for the post race. To uh, to either work you through your blues or or high five you and just tell you how awesome you are. Cool. I'm just waiting for Sam to tell us how great we are with his gratitude after the race. There you go. You're gonna have to wait until after the race, though. I know. Because I'm very excited. (laughs) You guys are great. So your proclivities, Sean. You know. Proclivities. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Oh boy. So as our as our honored guest, what is your what is your uh, outtake song for us today, Coach Sam? Okay, this is um it's uh what is it? Somebody else wrote the song, so it's a cover song, but it's um I can see clearly now mm-hmm. by by the hot house flowers. Like nice. their version in particular. So that's one where I'm out on the trail and whenever it pops into rotation, it just like makes me so happy. So perfect. There you go. Perfect. Well, we'll listen to it and send you good vibes. Everybody send Sam awesome vibes and energy and a nice, literally cool race. Thank you. Good Thanks luck. for coming on. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Sounds good. Bye, guys. Bye.
talk to people and take a few minutes because we need something. We need our listeners to follow our podcast. Can you, you're our tech tech expert. I go to you. I'll, that sounds, all right. I'm going to say this again. <laughs> I was going to try to let it go. Okay. Okay, technotronic. <laughs> pump up the jam. Pump it up. All right. Speaking of being technotronic and pumping up the jam, Sean, we need our listeners to follow our podcast. You are our resident tech expert. Could you please describe what you need people to do? How do we do this? How do you how do you follow a podcast? 
Well, it depends on what format you're on. But on most formats, there's usually a three-dot circle or some other indication, and there will pop a dropout, drop down from that um, three-dot circle. And in that drop-down, we'll give you the option to follow the podcast. You can also, in whatever app you're using, go to your settings and set to notify, and you can be notified of any new podcast you're following, especially ours, which is the most important. And that'll show up up on your phone all the time, man. You'll have more notifications, boom. And you'll get one from us every two weeks because why, Megan? We post every two weeks. That's what we do. That's what we do. The, when our listeners follow our podcast, it really helps with our ratings and it helps how we appear um, when people are searching for podcasts. So please, as a favor to us, me and Sean, Sean and me, please. Also, if you're so inclined and you really like us and you want to leave us the best review ever, that does wonders. But what we really need you to do is follow. The review stuff is just sprinkles, sprinkles on a Sunday. Right, Sean? Sprinkles on a Sunday. What about the cherry? What counts as the cherry? Okay, the cherry would be if you want to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. So just look up Zendurance now. You can like us, follow us, comment, message us. And you can always check out our website, which is zendurancenow.com. All right. Awesome. Hope to see you there. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for the thanks for the tech advice.